G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Turning our attention to what our local churches may be trying to do to help disciple children and young people. Sometimes we call this discipleship faith formation. And is there a difference between faith formation and faith education? As you'll know from your own experience, we grow strong in Christian faith when we develop a desire to know God and His purposes. Doing that on our own, though, is never easy. It's leaders who help our faith to form as we develop close relationships. Faith formation will be a key focus at Australia's largest Children, Youth and Family Ministry Conference. It's coming up on the 4th of March. It's called the Amplify Conference for Children, Youth and Family Ministries. Well, there are multiple venues all around Australia, from Mareeba in North Queensland to Adelaide in South Australia, Warrnambool in Victoria and Caratha in WA, as well as multiple locations in between. Our special guest today is Kylie Hoffer. Kylie's one of the speakers at the Amplify Conference. She is the Families Minister at Warnborough Community Church in Western Australia. Kylie, a special welcome along to 2020. Hi, thanks for having me. Kylie, let's talk about faith formation and the fact that sometimes we have a scattergun approach to that or we hope that it all just works out in the long run. But you like to think of things as being a little more intentional than just that. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think it needs to be intentional as how we help provide those opportunities for people to to you know to grow in their faith, and ultimately it's that lifelong journey of that growing relationship with Jesus. and And I think that um, you know we, we want to be able to help people not just hear information about who God is, but really learn what it means to them and how they can apply it to their life. Now, this is your job, isn't it? So we're talking to the right person here because as a family's minister, you're not there just to, you know, organize some fun activities. Actually, you've got a little bit of a deep intentionality about the sorts of things that you're involved in. No doubt the the senior uh, pastor or the elders or the people who employ you to do what you do uh, don't just love you because you look great and you're a fun personality. You've got something <laughs> a little bit deeper in there to offer. Give us an idea what you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, look, we, you know, as a church, we are all, we are trying to look holistically at how we're helping our young people and our and our families to grow in their journey with God. And so we know that partnering with parents is a big part of that. And so a big part of what I do is is help parents on this journey. Um, I'm a parent myself, and I know what it's like to to have two kids who I desperately want to know and love the Lord with their life. And so um, helping parents is a big part of what we do. But but we also have lots of different aspects of um, you know, whether it's those um, helping people kids through rites of passage or giving them, providing them opportunities with um, peer friendships that are going to help them along their journey. Uh, sometimes it's those uh, small group leaders, those mentor relationships that we put in place for them to have. And, and I love what we do here. We, we help our young people to have 
every every child has someone who knows them, who knows their name, who cares about them, um, and that just wants to encourage them in their faith journey. And uh, yeah, our youth group and those guys, we we start off with a small group in year seven, and they stay with them all the way through to year twelve. And so right through those years of formation, they they've got someone there who's their cheerleader in their faith. That is so, so powerful. There's lots that you said there. We might need to unpack a little bit of that because it's so very important. Hey, let's start with the partnering with the parents because I know when we talk about discipleship and here we are discussing faith formation today, some will be saying, well, how much does the church shape a child's life? Some are thinking that's the only place it happens, but... There's also what happens within the family, parents' responsibility. So how much happens in the family? How much in the church? Can you put a quantity on that? Oh, yeah. There's, uh, you know, like we at the church, we get maybe one hour a week, you know, um, to be able to spend with a child. And, uh, and when we look at what, we, what a parent has, all those hours that they have at home, I mean, they're obviously at school sometime and sleep sometime, but the, the time frame that they have at home is, is very different to what we have at church. And the impact, the, the research shows that the impact, the most um, influential person in a child's life is indeed their parents in, in most cases. Um, and so, yeah, looking at how we actually help them to, to help form their kids' faith at home rather than just expecting the church to do that for that one hour a week on a Sunday. So you've got what happens at home and undoubtedly in any church, there's going to be kids that come from homes that are completely non-Christian. Some of them are going to be very dysfunctional. Does the church have a bigger role in the lives of those kids that haven't got any faith formation at home than those who do? Any thoughts here? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's that's the idea of being holistic, isn't it, in our approach. And and so obviously we want to be able to create opportunities here as well. And, uh, And so that's where it comes in with mentors. So we, we know that kids will often have five, they need five people outside of their parents that would speak into their life. And so we try and provide those people at the church, whether it's um, on a Sunday morning or whether it's at our kids' club or maybe it's um, you know during midweek programs. But we try and provide those opportunities where they're connected to another adult outside of their parents who is also just that cheerleader, someone who is someone they can look up to in their faith. Um, and someone who genuinely cares about them, who, who knows them, who knows their name and uh, and wants the best for them. Kylie, where does that number come from? Five people connecting with each of those children, young people outside of their own families. Is that a, a research-based oh, thing or is it... A- it, is a, it, is, it is a research-based thing. I can't actually tell you off the top of my head who, who it's from. I know who I heard it from was my good friend Kim Smith. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that it wasn't her research that made that. Um, yeah, so I'd have to figure, I'd have to find out what the, who it was that said that. Uh, we might all think that five would be the ideal number, perhaps, and uh, even more, even even better. But you know, even if you've only got one, two, or three people that are aware of you, that know you, know yeah. your situation, uh, they've got their wing over you in some sense, shielding you from some of the stuff that is influencing you today. So just having someone. Uh, who's outside of a family who actually has real connection to a child or and a young person yeah. growing up. That's that's a key, is it? 
That is, yeah. And Reggie Joyner um, from Orange in America, he says it. He says it this way. He says, "You, um, everybody doesn't need to be known by everybody, but everybody needs someone to know them. And I think it's so true that when we are known by someone, when somebody cares for us deeply, when we are seen and when we are heard, um, it creates an opportunity, a, a different type of leverage in your life with that person and and, uh, and it really helps them to then be able to help shape your life and to know um, those words that we learn from the Bible, all these teachings that we learn, they come alive um, when someone cares about you and helps you to understand it. Now, not every local church has the capacity to have someone like you on the staff. And, uh, you know, I think your church is absolutely blessed to have you right there. Uh, But every church will have someone who's interested in the young people. Uh, Sometimes there's a youth group. Uh, There's most often some sort of a children's ministry. Uh, That person who's leading the children's ministry, leading that youth group, that's the sort of person that needs to be, in some sense, accelerated in their own discipleship so they understand these sorts of needs. Yeah, absolutely. And if if, if that's you, if someone out there is um, in that space, then I would just encourage them to really um, to be someone who's growing and to be searching and to looking for ways to um, to help your church in this space. And there's so many great resources out there, like the Amplify Conference, that are out there trying to equip people for this ministry. And, uh, uh, you know, there's lots of online groups and spaces that you can really connect and grow. So if that's you, I'd definitely be doing that. But, you know, as well, the thing is, the thing that I love about church is that you know, even when you don't have a, you know, a large children's ministry or, or big numbers of volunteers, the thing is about the church is that we're on mission together. And so every adult in the church can be on this mission of loving young people in their communities. Okay, let's talk about those peer friendships, as you said. And sometimes here we think that this is all accidental too. Oh, our kids connect with someone, uh, same age, uh, same community, maybe they go to the same school. And we think that happens accidentally, but what you're seem, seemingly saying here is that when you are interested in faith formation as a children's and young persons and families minister, you want to nurture those peer friendships and help them happen in a healthy and right and good and, uh, and effective way. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we have, we certainly try to provide those opportunities for them to, you know, to grow together as friends. And you're right; it can happen naturally. But when you when you have those opportunities to help them to build into those friendships, um, it really helps them to then encourage one another on their journey. Uh, one of the things that we do is we run small groups, so each of our kids are, are with their own age group of peers, and uh, and they get to come and ask questions together, to pray for each other to share about their weeks together, you know, and they're often at the same stage. They're, they're dealing with the same things at school and, and they're able to encourage one another in that. I know for me growing up, um, it was my friends at church, those peers that helped me to stand firm when I was, you know, feeling the tension to, to walk away or to, or to be pulled away by the world. And so those friends are such an encouragement and, uh, and I just think there's such a great value in, in being a friend who, who prays for each other and who shares with each other. One of the other things you added in there, uh, every child connected. And isn't this the case that you can see everywhere when you've got a new family comes along to church or someone gets an invitation to the youth group? 
somehow or other, if you don't establish some connection at that point, uh, those kids or those young people can easily drift away. So getting the connection right, that's a really important uh, primary function of someone who's in charge in leadership, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. And it doesn't matter how big or small your ministry is or your church is, there's always someone you can connect them with. And uh, and kids are, are very, they're very good at making friends normally. Sometimes they're not. And it's okay for us as adults to come in and to help, um, to help those, to foster those relationships. You know, we have some great kids who I know are the sort of kids that want to help other kids feel connected. And so, you know, if we have a new family come in, I, I might go up to one of those kids and say, hey, you know, this is Johnny, he's He's year four and he's new today. Could you help him make feel feel welcome? And those kids that we go to, we'll pull them in. They'll invite them to come and play because they're getting the mission. They're understanding what what their role is here in the church is to help people connect in. And so, giving those kids an opportunity to not just have fun and and muck around, but to go, hey, I understand what I'm here for, and uh, and that is to help this person come into our community and be welcomed and loved, and uh, and be a part of that with us. So it's not just up to the adult. You know, uh, we as adults, uh, we get cynical about the way we think about church sometimes, but kids typically have a pretty positive view of church. And if they've made a friend and if there are leaders uh, who are able to uh, point them in the right direction, encourage those friendships, that's actually a really powerful thing that actually can hold in a child's life right through their development into their adult years. So getting things right early has to be a real priority, doesn't it? It really does, yeah. And, you know, as, as you look back, I don't know about your journey, but for me, as I look back, um, you know, I don't often remember the teachings that I've learned or the stories that I was told, but I definitely remember the people that had an influence in my life, whether that was my peers or whether that was the adults in the room, uh, those people who showed to me that they cared, you know, that they wanted to be a part of, that, that I mattered to them. And I think that that really is so important to, to try and get that right. And, you know, just worthy of touching on too, this thought of healthy relationships between the leaders in the local church and those children and young people who are in these formation times because uh, the reputation of the church was very sullied uh, through all sorts of abuse uh, issues uh, we might be able to identify over previous decades. But those sorts of things, mm. lots of churches, they've got those bases covered. They've got those uh, those important safeguards in place. So being able to get your children connected to leaders, that's actually a powerful formation place to start. It is absolutely powerful, yeah. And I think that um, most churches these days are well aware of the safety and, and what they need to do, put into place to, to keep kids safe. And I think it is our, our heart, our genuine heart is to keep kids safe. And I know that, um, you know, I don't know any church personally that's not putting in these sorts of practices. And it is unfortunate that that's a, a thing that people do think of if they haven't been to church before, maybe, or if they're new or if they're cautious about putting their kids into these programs but I think it's such a it's such a space that the church is leaning into safety making sure it's safe for our kids and uh, and it's so important for us as parents to almost to, to widen that circle of influence to say yeah I know that I have this great influence but how can I widen that circle and allow the church to really be a part of this journey with my child. Kylie, let's talk about this faith formation and compare it to faith education because there's a lot of people who think that discipleship is about sitting kids and young people down and telling them what they have to believe 
give us your thoughts here if you're talking about what faith formation means in a process of discipleship. Yeah, I mean, it's so important because I think there's definitely been a history of the idea of we need to, we need to just give this information, we need to teach our kids all these stories, uh, they need to know, have a knowledge of everything that happened in the Bible. And, and that is so important to have that knowledge and to use that knowledge as a basis. But the idea of faith um, in, formation over education is that they're not just taking that as a knowledge that they're getting. It's, it's going, not just sitting in their, in their mind, but it's becoming a part of, of who they are. It becomes a, something that they um, put into practice in their life. Uh, in Matthew, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house and the rock on the rock. And, and I love that scripture because it reminds us that it's far more than just getting this knowledge of the stories that happen in the Bible, but it's understanding how do you fit into this big picture that God has and this love that God has for you. And what does it mean to you? How do you live life because of it? And I think that, you know, as we look around at, you know, the, the great exodus of people that have left the church over the years, often it's because they've, um, they've had this information, they might even have a belief of that there is a God. But until we turn that belief or that, that information into something that we choose to live for and something that God works in us, and, and as it says in Romans, the renewing of our mind, um, as, as, until we allow that process to happen in our life, um, is something that's, that's almost sitting outside of us instead of in us and a part of us and, and who we are as our identity of children of God. Take us back to your story again, because uh, your story, as I understand, is really quite inspiring because, you know, when we read uh, about passing things on to uh, faithful witnesses and trusting reliable people who will be qualified to teach others, it's this generational thing. It's what happens to us personally that actually then uh, begins to outflow in our own lives and passes on to others. Your story is like that growing up in church. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, growing up in church, it was such a cool experience. You know, my parents came to church. Um, actually, they came to have me dedicated because someone had encouraged them to do that. Um, and, and as they came, they made these promises to bring me up in the ways of the Lord. And they realized we need to change the way we're living so that we actually do this. And, uh, and my parents started being com- becoming committed members of our church and, and just loving the Lord uh, with all of their hearts so that they could show me the way to do that. And, uh, and so growing up in the church, it was great to have my parents who were living out their faith, as a, giving me a front row seat of what it looks like to live out faith and to live out a, a life for Christ. Um, so that was the first thing, I guess, that I had you know, parents who were showing me that. Um, they weren't perfect, and I think that's important for all of us to remember as parents is that it's not about being perfect, but... Um, I think Reggie Joyner uh, in his book, uh, or maybe it was Kerry Newell, they said, uh, you're giving someone, your child, a front row seat at the grace of God and the reconciliation of God as we work through life. And it's so important to think about that. You know, but growing up in church, I, I grew up in kids ministry and, um, you know, obviously I got all this information fed into me, which is all great things. But as I, as I said a bit earlier, it's the people that invested in my life that showed me that I mattered that spoke into the, the God-given gifts that God's given me, that, that drew out um, in me what it what meant to live for Christ and who were an example 
of that in my life. And I can think of a number of people growing up, you know, as a child and as a teenager who were continuing to invest in me. And, and I'm forever grateful for those people who, who gave that time to help me understand not just what it meant to believe in God, but what it meant to really live for God. And that I could do that as a kid and as a teenager. And, uh, and you know, it, all of these things that, that my church did for me gave me that platform to continue to grow, to continue to walk, uh, to continue to learn and follow after Jesus. And as an adult now, I can look back and be so thankful uh, for those experiences that I had and the people that helped shape who I am today as, a, as I fully follow God with all that I am. I'm so glad you said all this starts really from the day you are born and uh, when you're a baby and, you know, you mentioned dedication and some different churches, they'll call that, uh, you know, christening or uh, infant yes. baptism or they'll, they'll, different names, uh, a dedication yes. though. But the thought that you've got your parents there bringing you to present you before the Lord and you've got sometimes people we might call godparents uh, and yep. sometimes there's even a charge to the whole congregation around this new little life this baby that's being dedicated so it brings the whole church into the responsibility for the formation and development of faith in that child it starts right at the very first day doesn't it it definitely does you know and uh, we know that as, not, as we have about nine 136 weeks in a child's life until they turn 18. And, and you know, our hope is by the time they're 18, they're going to be, you know, um, independent individuals who fully follow after Jesus, who, who know who they are as their identity in Him. Uh, but we've only got, it seems, like, it seems like a long time, but 936 weeks isn't that long um, to actually look at how we can invest in them. And, and I love what you said about the, even the charge for the whole church, you know, in our church, it's our belief that we are on mission together. Um, and so, you know, that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, I think absolutely it's true. It takes a church to raise a child. Um, and so we, we're on that mission together of how we support one another. And, you know, hard times are going to come for all of us. And I, I love going back to that verse that um, when we hear and we put it into practice, we've got that firm foundation on the rock. So that when the wind comes and the waves come, we have a firm foundation. And it's true because we know the world that we live in. We know the hard times that come. But when we have this, um, our identity rooted in who Christ is and this fully formed understanding, it helps us then to keep our roots strong, even when those hard times come and those people around us that are helping us to do that. Now, we're talking formation versus education for a lot of people they think that the discipleship is all around the education and you were saying yes uh, those bible stories understanding the flow of what happens in the gospels this is all very important some churches uh, teach what they call a catechism and uh, there's a whole process of learning all sorts of things and you know what there's lots of bases to cover and uh, doing that in an organized way has got to be important too but if you're talking about formation versus education, it's not necessarily here, and I'll get your thoughts, uh, it's not one or the other. Somehow or other, there is a both in there, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's one of the traps we can fall into is trying to figure out the right way to pass the information on, trying to, trying to get stuck in which information do we give and how do we give it and when do we give it and at what age do we give it. 
And I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's a trap that we can get stuck into because it's so important for us to just to pass on information. And we can look at all the different resources that are out there to help us do that. But it has to be a both and we have to be sharing that information and then also giving those children a, a place um, to, to help them figure out how do they apply it to their life. And so every single week, you know, for in our kids' church, you know, we might we'll have a teaching about um, something from the Bible, but every single week finishes with what does it mean for me today? And it helps those kids come to a place of how do I live this out today? Um, you know, maybe it's the story of Daniel, um, Daniel and the lion's den, and, and, and you think about the persecution that Daniel had, and we can, you know, we, it can be a fun story that you tell. You can do all sorts of fun things with it. But at the end of the day, the point that we want those kids to come walk out with as they go into their school is that they can stand firm in in their faith in God no matter what persecution comes. And so it's about how do we help them to have those um, those deeper understandings of what it means for them um, rather than just what the information is or how it is or how it was presented or, you know, all those different ways that we can do that. Just as you're sharing those thoughts, uh, my mind is wandering to who the valuable people might be in your church to get some of these formation principles in place. And and I'm thinking school teachers because, you know, we can think that school teachers are people who teach at school, but school teachers in church life who have a faith in Christ, who understand and have been trained uh, at tertiary level around those learning stages in a child's life. Are school teachers actually a valuable part of what you might have with a, a children's and youth ministry team and the formation of faith for young people? Absolutely. I mean, school teachers have that. Um, they Generally, they're in that profession because they have a heart for young people. They have been trained in all of that. Um, and they're absolutely an, a vital part. But I think sometimes we, um, we also often get into the trap of feeling like you have to be a teacher to be able to serve in children's ministry. And, uh, and you know, some of our greatest leaders that we have are some of the dads, you know, some of the, some of the dads that, that have worked construction because it's not necessarily about their, their knowledge or their ability to teach, but it's, their, it's the way they can relate and help young people to figure out what it means to live. So, um, so absolutely teachers have a, a real vital part but I think it's so important to not rule anybody out. Anybody who is following Jesus with their whole heart um, and is living it out is a great person to have in kids' ministry. Uh, when you talk mums and dads, this is an interesting aspect too because it's easy to think there's going to be a team at my local church. They're the ones who do the children's and youth ministry. Uh, I'm the parent. I'm at home doing my part. Not everybody can do both, but some who are in certain ages, and uh, I think I've noticed this over the years, where certain uh, you know age groups where you've got your own children in a youth ministry or a, or a children's ministry, and then you're inclined to serve there too because you're helpful and you're knowing where your kids are at and where their peers are at. Is there a sort of a stage that you might work through, not just the kids here, but the parents in how they might be really deeply immersed and uh, and engaged in, in ministry life in your local church? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think the first part that you touched on there was the value of them um, of them being a part of it. And I think that there, there's a history of, uh, of, of the idea that, you know, parents hand this, this 
we, we send our kids to school for the, you know, all the maths and the science and that sort of stuff. And we send them to church to learn about God. And, um, and so the first thing we've got to touch on there is that it isn't just at church. We want to be doing it at home as well. But then how they can support that is definitely, there's, there's no right or wrong age that you can work with. I mean, a lot of parents like to serve in the area that their kids are in um, or serve the same age group that their kids are. Uh, but there's also some parents I know that like to serve in a different age group. Um, and you know, maybe they just prefer other kids or maybe they just prefer the younger kids. And, you know, really it's about figuring out where God has, what he's gifted you in and how you can serve. Um, and then just going from there. There's no right or wrong or rhyme or reason to it. Um, but just figuring out what is that God is calling you to and how you can serve. And, and the value of actually recognizing that, you know what, maybe I'm not the, the I don't know everything about God. Maybe I, uh, maybe I have my faults still. But coming in and going, I recognize that this, this church, this community of believers, this body of Christ, every part has a role to play. And so coming in and saying, I'm going to play a role. I'm going to be a part of it um, in whatever capacity that is. And then being willing to be used by God in that way. I sometimes think that people who volunteer to be involved in the children's ministry of their church are underappreciated, undervalued, underrated. Uh, What are your thoughts for people who put their hand up and say, I want to be involved in the children's ministry? You know, it's really true. In a lot of churches, that is the case. They can be, um, it's almost seen as um, people who are just going to go and look after them while we do church in the other room. And uh, and that's a real sad uh, case that, that it can be like that. Um, so I'd say let's flip the thought on that. Let's realize that every age matters. Every phase matters of life. Uh, from the babies right through to the older adults. And let's go, hey, if every age matters, if every phase matters, then every opportunity matters and every week that we are together matters. And so therefore, um, you know, don't, don't ever feel lesser than by going to serve in the kids' ministry. I, I would say it's probably the most important place you could serve on a Sunday morning because those kids are right now forming their worldview. They're forming what it means for them to, to live in this world. They're trying to understand, um, you know, what it is for them. And, you know, the statistics that George Barner puts out about that is huge. That, you know, by the age of 12, we've already formed our ideas of, of God, of heaven, of the evil one. We've already formed all these views. And so don't wait until they're older to start thinking about its importance. But let's do it right now while they're young because every phase matters. So by age 12, you've got these formed views of the world and when you say age 12 what comes to mind for me is uh, there are some vulnerable times aren't there for uh, keeping your kids on track or actually losing them and let's call it the dark side because you know you get make the wrong friends go down a wrong path this sort of transition from the primary school years into high school years, it's a pretty important yeah. transition time. How do you, as a, a family's minister, like to try and address those sorts of things? Yeah, definitely. Well, as I said, we want to be investing in them before they hit that age so that they already have an identity of who they are before they get there. But even at that age, that's when we come in and we take this opportunity to look at all the different ways that we can holistically love one of those young people that are going through that season. And so, as we said before, that's when we start going into how do we, 
How do we help them to have those good peer friendships? They're going to help them to stand strong. How are we having those other adults in their life that are helping them to to feed into their life and to love on them and to encourage them to keep going and to keep running the race? Um, How are we looking at what it means for them to continue to figure out how do I live in this world now? And, uh, and, you know, there's some great questions that they're asking at that age, like, who am I and how do I fit and what does it mean for me to live for God? And we can help answer those questions and give them purpose and value in what it means for them to live. Um, you know, peak experience, giving them an opportunity to serve, all these amazing things that we can do helps them to ultimately continue through those, those rough, rough days, I guess you could say, as a teenager. And it is, it is a wild world out there of being a teenager. And so all the more important for us to be investing in them um, and, instead of just hoping for the best. It's a wild world. As you say, you can't take this lightly. You have to be intentional. And there are vulnerable ages. Just hearkening back to something you mentioned very early on in our conversation, you said uh, there are things like rites of passage too. So in your role uh, in this sort of faith formation, are there special rites of passage that you've got for girls and for boys? Yeah, I mean, it looks differently for for everybody the way they do this. You know, we we kind of look at those those transition years as big moments for us to figure out how do we help them. So, you know, for us in over here in Western Australia, there's those years when they're starting school, you know, when they're moving from early childhood early to upper primary. So we use, say, grade four. Um, when they move from primary school to high school, so grade six to seven. Um, and then there's that grade 10 age where they're going from, you know, to start into the upper high school where they're really figuring it out. What is it as an adult almost to live in this world? And so we kind of look at those those different age groups and kind of figure out ways to help invest in them specifically, whether that's through partnering with their parents in a certain way, um, you know, whether it's encouraging them to live out their faith through baptism um, or just, just getting them in, in service. Um, but, yeah, just kind of looking at those, those moments and how we do that. And I know some great churches are doing great things in, in this space and um, certainly a space that I'd love to grow more in. Well, you are going to be one of the speakers at what is coming up 4th of March, the Amplify Conference, Australia's largest children, youth and family ministry conference. Uh, How does it work, Kylie? Do you know the details here? Because multiple venues all around Australia, uh, basically every state and territory, and for listeners today to our conversation, how do they easily connect? How do you describe that? The thing I love about Amplify is that it is so easy for everyone to connect in. So there's multiple options. If you're in Queensland, there's a Brisbane hub and you are invited to come and join. And that's where I'm going to be um, on the 4th of March. Um, but in all of the other hubs around Australia, it's going to be, lo- it's going to be streamed out. Uh, there's going to be the keynote speakers um, and all of the opportunities. There, there is a lot of electives. I was looking through the list. There is a great number of elective opportunities, which are all going to be streamed out to those hubs around Australia. Um, and then if, if you're not, not near a hub, if you're not near somewhere that's close to go and be a part of it, every single person has the opportunity to sign up and participate online, whether that's on their own or whether they've got a friend or someone else in their church that they want to be a part of it. So everybody has the opportunity to grow in this space. And so um, I would just encourage you to go and, and be a part of it in whatever way that looks like for you. So Brisbane is a main uh, hub, uh, the home base in some sense, and then there are hubs 
all around Australia where people can gather together. So I imagine that there's opportunity there to network and to discuss the sorts of things that you're hearing in the conference. And then if you can't get to any of those hubs in all the states and territories, then you're able to stream it. And so from the comfort of your living room, you could be a part of the Amplify conference. Let me give the address. For listeners who want to connect with the Amplify conference, uh, you might want to be a part of this. You might be thinking, I know there's some weaknesses in our own local church experience, uh, this faith formation, not just faith education. Here's the address, amplifyconference.com.au, amplifyconference.com. Dot au, and you'll be able to find out where all those hubs are all around Australia. Kylie Hoffer, who's going to be one of the speakers, she's a minister, the family minister at Warnbro Community Church in Western Australia and uh, Churches of Christ flavour on that one for Western Australia listeners, uh, Warnbro Community Church in WA. Kylie, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.